Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. In any workplace, especially a salon, one of the biggest challenges is figuring out a way that a load of different personalities will work together. And in the hair and beauty industry, where there can often be something like 10, 20 people crammed into a really small space at any given time, I haven't even counted the clients yet, this challenge is even more prominent. It's like a pressure cooker. One of the struggles I see most salon owners face is dealing with team dynamics. It could be that their team aren't getting along or maybe they aren't getting along with their team. The team is the enemy. (laughs) So today I want you to meet BJ. Now BJ is an expert on the ways different personalities interact together. The birds of a different feather framework shaped my own salon owning experience by helping my team learn how to get along like a well-oiled machine and explaining the reasons for clashing personalities and giving a really simple, clear framework to work it out. And I know you'll instantly know and recognize these personalities in your team. So let's jump in with BJ and meet all the birds in your nest. BJ, welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to be here. So uh, little did you know until recently how much of an impact your you, I guess, have made to my life. And so I wanted to invite you to share some of your wisdom with all of my salon owners. So just for those of you listening, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory to BJ. I have used her tools and resources inside of my business business that's fundamentally changed the whole culture of my business, which I now teach to salon owners that I coach. So I was more than ecstatic to find you through the World Wide Web and invite you to come and talk about um, the personalities of the humans inside of our business. (laughs) So I'm going to hand it over to you for a moment, uh, BJ, and just please tell us, where are you in the world? What do you do? And how did you get to be doing just that? Great. Um, Well, I live in Los Angeles, California, or as some people call it, La La Land. Um, (laughs) And and how I, 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 uh, I'm a writer. I'm mostly a writer. I'm a writer and a speaker. I sometimes do corporate training seminars or for professional groups. <clears throat> and I, I got into this. I got into this. I, I'm, um, you know, I told somebody once when I was a little girl, my favorite game was school. And mm-hmm. it still is. I'm an adult now and it still is. I love, if I can't be the student, I'll be the teacher. You know, I love books and workbooks and folders and and blackboards and all that. So I just love a learning environment. I love to learn. I love to be challenged. And so, um, you know, all these years later, I've basically made my whole career in the field of adult education. So I work with people in the workplace. 
small businesses, large businesses, government agencies, all different kinds of, of, of groups. And I really love working with adults because adults bring so much to the learning experience as opposed to children who are curious or maybe not. But, you know, they don't have as much life experience to bring to the party. So I love working with adults because they bring so much to the party. Um, the bird metaphor came about when I was working. I was the training manager for the Los Angeles Times, which is the local newspaper here. It's a big organization. At the time, it had 12,000 people. And I was in an executive meeting one day. Um, and with uh, all the middle managers and all the executives, about 200 people. And the publisher would always start the meetings the same way. He'd introduce all of his direct reports. And they were all in the front row. And one by one, they'd stand up and then turn around and face the audience. And as I'm sitting about halfway back, I'm watching these guys stand up and turn around. They were sort of like popping. They were like penguins popping up out of Jack in the Box. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. And I looked at it and I thought, look at that. They they all kind of look alike. They look like they go to the same tailor and the same barber. Oh, my goodness, they look alike. And then I looked down at myself, and I was wearing um, a Carol Little dress, a, a black dress with big flowers on it. I had long, curly hair down to my shoulders, big earrings. I looked at myself, and I thought, oh, my gosh. I look like a peacock in the middle of all these penguins. Like, how did this happen? How did I come to be here? Uh, fast forward to a few years later, I left the LA Times because I clearly wasn't a good fit. And um, I wrote a book about my experience there, and it's called A Peacock in the Land of Penguins. Hence that vision in the meeting. And then the book led to a corporate training video. It led to several workbooks. And so this workbook, The Birds of Different Feathers, is the, the key training assessment um, that, I mean, companies all over the, the United States and Canada, and apparently now Australia and New Zealand use it as well. <laughs> and because it really helps people understand differences in the workplace, um, beyond superficial things like gender and age and religion and stuff like that. This really gets at who people are. And 25 years later, um, I'm still doing it, and the peacocks and the penguins and all the other birds are still trying to get along. So, so my job is to help people understand themselves, understand one another, and, and make the relationships at work work a lot better. So this is uh, exactly where you came into my life, unbeknownst to you. Um, and I was introduced to the birds of a different feather and we introduced this into my business where we all could learn about ourselves on a deeper level and how we, how we would interact with each other and how the different combinations of personality types would relate and understand and communicate. And really, you know, when you think about um, 20 to 30 women working in a really small space together um, for 40 mm -hmm. hours of the week, um, it really was quite a fundamental piece in the success, not only of the business, but of the culture. Because if you don't have a good culture inside of your business, people don't get along, there's miscommunication, then the business can't survive and thrive. So, exactly. um, and what I loved about it was it's so simple. 
Um, it's not overly complicated. It's simple to understand. But for hair or beauty salon, it spoke the language, spoke our language. Do you know? Like we can relate to being doves and peacocks and hawks or owls, and we know those personalities. Yeah. And so what I really would love to do now is to talk about those four different personalities. And, of course, is everybody's a combination. But, you know, let's talk about it sort of from a um, – uh, a real generous, generalist point of view and how they get along. Because I know that the salon owners listening, one of the biggest struggles that we have is the dynamics of our team and it affects our business. Yes. And so when we can understand yes. not only ourselves, but how other people perceive us or where, how we perceive them, um, we can start. It's almost like BJ, it's almost like starting to heal those relationships through deeper understanding. Exactly. Because the biggest problem that human beings have with one another is that we, um, we tend to use ourselves as the yardstick by which we judge other people. So yeah. somehow we think that other people see the world the same way we do or they see things the way. And if they don't, then they're wrong because we know we're right. <laughs> and it's and right so, for us. That's right. It is right for us. But we assume that, you know, the metaphor I sometimes use, it's like, imagine that at birth, everybody's issued a pair of glasses. And because everybody's wearing glasses, we all assume that we see things the same way. But what we don't know is that perhaps my my glasses, I can't see red and green. And perhaps your glasses, you can't see purple and orange. And somebody else's glasses, they can't see um, yellow and red. And so then we get into argue. So we're looking at the same situation, but we see it differently because we see different colors. And then we get into arguments about who's right because, well, I know I'm right because I can see it right in front of my eyes. And then we, we spend endless time and energy duking it out over whose perception of the situation is right. What we, what we fail to recognize is that we're all wearing different pairs of glasses. Mm -hmm. That they're, they may all look like they're the same glasses, but they're not. They're different. And so we're not born with, we're not given glasses at birth, but we're, we're given brains and eyes and ears, and we perceive, we filter things through our perception and our experience and our background and so, you know, we can look at the same situation and might see it very differently, you know, based on our our personal filter, our filter through which we see the world. And so, you know, this 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 tool, this assessment tool, is designed to help people see that that oh, I I can't I I don't see red. So tell me what it looks like from your perspective. And so we see that. So it's designed to. A, help people understand that there's no wrong way of looking at things, but that we, if we can talk about how we see, like, here's how it looks from my perspective. What does it look like from where you sit? And if we start to talk about that, it's like, oh, wow, really? It looks like that? I had no idea. Then we begin to see where that conflict is coming from. 
So I'll quickly go over the, the four types. And I should preface this by saying that this is the basic theoretical concept is, is not original it's, and it's not new. It's based on a, a very famous assessment tool called the Myers-Briggs assessment, which is based on the work of Carl Jung and his archetypes. Uh, now, the Myers-Briggs folks were, were social scientists, and they had 16 categories. And I thought, whoa, that's too many. We can, we can simplify that and reduce it to four. So there are other assessment tools that do basically the same thing. But I used birds because, well, A, because I'd written a book about birds, uh, but also because everybody, birds are universal. Everybody knows what a peacock is. Everybody knows what a dove, an owl, and a hawk, what they are. So they translate across cultures, whether it's Latin America or Germany or Japan or New Zealand or Australia. Everybody knows what those birds are. So it gives us a language to talk about differences that everybody understands. So it's designed, it's simple, but it's not simplistic. You know, there's a, there's a different, it's not, it's not simplest. So it's very simple. It's easy to use and everybody gets what the, what the birds are. And so the, the four types, there's a, a hawk, the peacock, the dove and the owl. Uh, I think the hawk and the, I, I think, sorry, this is why exactly I gravitated to it and, and it was so successful is because of that, um, simplistic layer that you've put over top of an otherwise quite complex topic <laughs> so exactly yeah so all right let, let's dive into those personality types take me through it. it exactly the other the other part that i think really appeals to people is it you know diversity is a big hot topic here in the states and it has been for several decades now um but they people talk about diversity in terms of uh, race, ethnicity, gender, age. They talk about visible diversity and they ignore invisible diversity. Mm. And there, you can have a salon full of heterosexual, Caucasian, middle-aged women and you'd still have diversity because they're not all alike. And so what this tool is designed to do is help people get at the invisible diversity and to see that, you know, treating people based on their, what you think you know about their race or gender or age can actually cause more problems. It's just more stereotyping. And so this really gets at the invisible diversity. So we see that even if a room full of people look alike, they're not. They're not. And so, you know, the, the basic, um, the basic philosophy here is, uh, you've heard of the golden rule, treat people the way you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is it assumes that everybody's just like you. So I substitute the platinum rule for that. Instead of the golden rule, practice the platinum rule, which says treat people the way they want to be treated. Now, that's a little more complicated because you have to find out who they are before you know how they want to be treated. Mm. You can't read their minds. You don't know how they want to be treated. So you actually have to engage in a conversation, and that's when you discover the, the, who those people are and how you're different and how you're alike, 
we want to look at both similarities and, and differences. So, so these are the four basic types. And as I said, they correspond to the Myers-Briggs and they correspond to the work of Carl Jung. Uh, the hawk is the, you know, just like, I mean, I don't even hardly have to tell you because everybody knows what a hawk is like. They're intense. They fly fast. They've got sharp talons, sharp beaks, and sharp eyes. Um, they're sort of no-nonsense kind of birds. They're, they're, they love to be in charge. They love, they're fast. They like to make things happen. And they're, they're powerful and they're direct. You know, you won't see hawks, you know, fluffing around having a good time they're you know they're generally sort of no nonsense let's get it done here the peacocks again like their namesake you know they're colorful they're talkative they're showy they're entertaining they're charismatic um they're charming uh the doves the doves are really the the workhorses of of every team of every organization the doves the doves are are great team players. I should also say that in any, in the general population, you'll find more doves than any other type. There are more doves in the workplace. There's more doves in the community. There's just more of them. Uh, they don't exist in equal proportion. These four types don't exist in equal proportions. You'll find a lot more doves, which is a good thing because the doves get along better than the other three types. The doves are easygoing. They're flexible. They're hardworking, they love to do a great job, and they are fantastic team players. They are just great. The owls, the owls, like their namesake, are very analytical. They're left-brained. They're, they like lots of information. They like data. They're very detailed. So they, they want to make sure that all the I's are dotted and the, and the T's are crossed. Um, and so they're, you know, real detail-oriented folks. So how do they, you know, a couple of other things I can tell you about them. The hawk and the peacock love change. They love novelty. They love stimulation. They love change. And if there isn't enough going on, they'll go stir some up. If things get boring or a little routine, a hawk or a peacock will... I won't call it trouble, but they'll stir up some action <laughs> to make sure that, you know, just to sort of shake things up a little bit because they don't, they have a low tolerance for boredom. The doves and the owls don't like change as much. They can change, but they need more time. They need to digest it. They need to think about it. The owls like change the least. You know, they're really, they're perfectionists. They like things done right. And when things are moving too fast, an owl is likely to, to dig her, her heels in. She needs lots of information, lots of data, and lots of time to sort of get to the new reality. So say you come up with a new policy in your, uh, in your salon or, you know, a new way of processing customers or whatever. Um, if you, you know, your doves and owls are going to need a little bit more time to adjust to a new system than the hawk and the peacock. The hawk and the peacock are likely to start that new system. Um, so what I would tell hawks and peacocks is to be patient with the doves and the owls that you work with. It's not that you're right and they're wrong just because you happen to like change and they're not so wild about it. Um, it just means that you're different. And by the same token, if say I'm a I'm a dove and my boss is a hawk, 
Um, and I'm going in to have a conversation with my, with my hawk boss. I want to learn the language of hawks. You know, I'm going to speak in bullets. I'm going to be very direct and concise and to the point. If my boss is an owl, I'm going to go in with lots of data and I'm going to speak a little more slowly. I'm going to go over all the pros and the cons and the ins and the outs. So in other words, one of the keys to learning how to be effective with these different types of birds is to know who you're interacting with, know your audience and learn to speak a little bit of their language. You don't have to change who you are. You just have to be able to shift gears. So, um, you know, if I and if I'm talking to a peacock, I need to give them lots of airtime because they like to talk a lot. <laughs> we have a few. They like to tell you the story. <laughs> so I have to tell you the story now. There's two situations where this is a lot, okay. and I know you guys listening are going to re- relate to this. The first one is, as a hair or salon business owner, we have do where we should be meeting with our team in a one-on-one environment on a regular basis right things changed for us dramatically when we started as the manager or the owner started to meet with our team members on their level so if we had an um an owl dove or a dove owl which was very typical uh in my business um My manager, uh, who ran all the one-to-one meetings, she was a peacock. And she, (laughs) talking to an owl, she was trying to do a one-on-one meeting and, you know, work through uh, challenges with an owl. And, of course, the owl would be giving her no facial expressions and no feedback. And because of the no feedback, she used to think, oh dear, I'm not, I'm not getting through. I, I'll speak a little bit faster and I'll wave my arms around a little bit more and I'll give more expression and I'll talk a little bit louder and, and I'll exaggerate what I'm talking about because, you know, a peacock can get really excited about something and she would get bigger yes. and animated. And the bigger and the more animated she got, the more the owl withdrew and went backwards and started to freak out. <laughs> what is this? What exactly. Is exactly. And then she would want to touch them and put her hand on the arm and say, come on, I've got you, you know, we're going to do this. And they would be withdrawing. And then when we we did, um, we brought this program into our salon, we realized she actually was scaring them, freaking them out. Yes, and so exactly. So we started to meet them. She, would, she had to practice, talk very quietly, very slowly, very data-driven. Don't touch them, stay far away. <laughs> but it, yes. it dramatically changed not only her confidence in being a manager, but the results of the employee because they felt heard, they could understand what she was saying. She was no longer freaking them out and scaring them. <laughs> Funny. Exactly. You you, yeah. No, it's exactly right. And if you and if you had some owls in a meeting with a bunch of other types, and you're the manager, what you need to make make sure is that the hawks and the peacocks don't dominate. And that you create a space and say, because very often the quietest person in the meeting is the one who may have some really good insights, but they never get to say them because the hawks and the peacocks are doing all the talking. So if you're a a manager and you notice that somebody's being kind of quiet in the meeting, you want to say, you know, I I, want to make sure we hear from everybody. So Susan, we haven't heard from you yet. What's your, you know, what do you think of this? What's your take on this situation and then shut up and give her some space 
to sort of come forward and really you need to create a safe space um, for her to for her to comment and any other owls or shy ones in the room because you want to really give people an opportunity. You're exactly right. The 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 um and the the birds that are most likely to hurt other people's feelings are the hawks mm. because the hawks generally they're sort of no nonsense speaking bullets boom 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 other people other birds experience that as brusque or even rude or cold and you know part of this this assessment is to help people sort of depersonalize it and also to take away that whole notion of right and wrong. There is no right, there is no right or wrong. There's only what works. There's only what's effective. And so, you know, no bird style is better than any other bird style. They're all good. They're all just fine. And you need all of them. I'm, as you can tell by now, I'm a peacock <laughs> with a, with a hawk backup style. When I'm under pressure, the Wicked Witch of the West comes out, and I get very hawk-like, so my hawk score goes up under pressure. And so you can imagine the birds that I have the most difficulty with are the owls. Mm. I get annoyed because it's like I'm a big-picture person. Hawks and peacocks are big-picture people, and and owls are detailed people. So I'm like, Come on, get with the program. Can't you see, you know, I create this big vision and they're going, well, what about this and what about that? And so I get irritated. Um, you know, I know this about myself. Now, I don't do that anymore because I've learned all this stuff. But I do know that when I was a manager, the people on my team who annoyed me the most were the ones I needed the most. Yeah. Because their differences and what they brought to the party uh, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, keeping us out of legal trouble, making sure that we weren't rushing headlong off of a cliff and, you know, making making sure we didn't have a blind spot. And so, you know, when I do seminars, I, you know, I'll, I'll always say that, that the, the birds that annoy you the most are probably the ones you need the most, yeah. you know, and you should, well, don't, I was going to say hug them, don't hug them. But show some show some love, show some appreciation, and so with your assembly way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you wanna you wanna because the tendency is to hire people like ourselves because we know we're cool, so we we hire people who are like ourselves. I love other peacocks. I love hawks too. And so you know when I was a manager, and I remember I made that mistake once. I only had one staff person. And I, what did I do? I hired another peacock. And what I found was all the detailed stuff wasn't getting done because mm -hmm. we both had the same strengths, but we both had the same weaknesses. And it's like, oh, my God. So what I want to do if I'm, a, a, you know, a, a, a skillful manager is hire people who complement me. They're not identical to me. So I, I need to make sure that I've got a good balance of skills and types. Um, if, and so in any salon, in any small business like that, you're undoubtedly going to have a lot of doves. Um, you need at least one owl. You'll usually find that person doing the accounting and the bookkeeping and that sort of stuff. You need the owl to keep you out of legal trouble. But you want to have a, a nice balance 
in your in your team with a heavy preponderance of, of doves? Well, um, it's interesting that you say that because I think typically, uh, yes, there are lots of doves. That seems to be the central one. But with backup personalities of either uh, dove peacock or a dove owl, funnily enough, so particularly in the hair and yes. industry, because actually a dove owl loves to do very precision type of hair cutting and they won't talk during the service. They will be in the detail cutting every little in individual hair just about on, on its own. Sometimes they run late because they're being such a perfectionist. Um, so there yeah. are, <laughs> that is alive and well in the business for sure. But then, of course, also there can be lots of peacocks who want to dive into their creative arts of hair styling and it's quite a different um, yes. Different things. Yes. So I think it, it was important what you said about having diversity because I do see people employing lots of people like themselves because they get them and understand them. Um, and then yeah, and you like them. We like yeah. other people like ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but you but need you need those different those different types, yeah. and it, this also will help. Um, uh, you know, people who run salons and their staff relate to their customers. You can use this with customers too. So, you know, is this, is this woman sitting down in my chair? Is she a peacock? Is she an owl? Is she, um, you know, I hadn't really thought about it until just now, but I have spent the last few years sort of frustrated with various stylists I've tried here in Los Angeles. And, um, and I think, and I hadn't thought about it until just, just now, I think I've had a few owls that, you know, it's like my hair was too, too neat, too tidy, too short, too perfect. And what I wanted was sort of a tousled, choppy, messy, wild kind of with a little spiky on top. Um, you know, that's the kind of look that I wanted. And yet I, you know, I'd go in to them. try these stylists. Yeah. yeah, you'll have to. And I thought, get them to do the quiz first. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I found the best way to find a stylist, and I'm sure it's it's as true in your country as mine, is just watch for somebody who has the kind of haircut you like. Yeah. Look for somebody who has, you know, in this case, my son's girlfriend just got a new haircut a few months ago. It's like a long shag, and it looks really cute. And I said, oh, Beth, who does your hair? And she said, oh, I've been going to the stylist. She's over in Century City, blah, blah, blah. Here's her name and number. And I went in to see her, and she totally got me. She was young and hip and, you know, sort of um, – anyway, she just sort of knew what I was talking about. I said, I want low maintenance. I want – don't make it too tidy. I, you know, no, no, not so neat. And she did a fantastic cut. And I thought, oh. So, anyway, that's how I find stylists is – um, just coming across somebody who's got a fantastic haircut that's not a precision cut <laughs> and then ask them who does their hair and go find that person. Yeah, and I think... That's probably um, how most women find their stylists, I think. For sure, for sure. And I think that's, you know, um, from the word of the customer, guys, that you heard it first right here. <laughs> but that's something that, are, that uh, we talk a lot about in my program is actually how do we recognize who is sitting in the chair so we can match them oh do you know like pay attention if they don't want to talk don't talk if they want to sit or if they want to do all the talking let them do the talking and actually recognize who who's exactly in speak the language of the customer it's a great uh, team training uh, session to do 
Exactly. And you can tell, are we, are we running out of time here? Oh no, please finish, finish what you were going to say. Okay. For sure. You can, you can, you know, uh, just, um, piggybacking on what you said that you don't have to give somebody this assessment tool to figure out what kind of bird they are. You can listen to their way of speaking. Um, you know, hawks will speak in, like I said before, they speak in bullets. They sort of almost staccato, just boom, 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 boom. They're no nonsense, direct to the point. Um, and you can tell when, when you're losing them, like, like if you're a peacock talking to a hawk and you start to tell them this wonderful story with all the details. And what happens is very quickly their eyes glaze over and you go, oh, lost them. And so when you, it's like that's, oh, I'm, I'm talking to a hawk here. So I shouldn't entertain them with long, colorful stories. They don't have the attention span to listen to it. Maybe I'll just give them the punchline or I'll tell them a short story or whatever. Um also, you'll hear peacocks and hawks talk about, they'll talk in visual language, like, let me paint you a picture here, or here's how I see it. You know, they'll use visual language. They'll use big picture language. Um, peacocks will be, well, they're easy to spot. You know, they're charismatic. They talk too much. They're just, I shouldn't say they talk too much. They talk a lot. They need, a, they need the spotlight. They need the airtime. And, uh, an owl is going to speak in the language of facts. They're going to speak data, information, um, the details, you know, numbers, measurements, locations, data points. Um, they'll always ask, they'll ask a lot of questions because they, their minds just love the detail. They just love to get into the detail. And then you can tell the doves because they're really, they're, they're happy. They're solid citizens. They're good workers and they, you know, they, they like other people and it shows and they're, the doves are the best with all the other personalities. So they're less likely to have interpersonal conflict than any other type of bird. They just get along with everybody. Everybody likes them and they like everybody. So yes, you can, t- you can tell by how people shake hands. You can often tell by the way they dress. You know, an owl's going to dress very differently. It's going to be more buttoned down, maybe more beige, more conservative, more preppy, whereas a peacock is going to come in, you know, with a flowing um, flowing top and some cute jeans. And the hawk is more likely to dress in power colors, you know, red, black, white, um, and maybe a suit, maybe not. But you, you know, you can often, if you're, if you really practice this, you can uh, figure out who people are by how they speak, how they shake hands, how they dress, how they comport themselves. You know, and and you can sort of practice, like you could practice with political leaders. You could practice with. Uh, you know, famous figures in New Zealand and Australia and what kind of bird is so-and-so and what kind of, over here we talk about what kind of bird was Bill Clinton and what kind of bird is Donald Trump and what kind of bird was Hillary and, right, and so it sort of gets people pra- what is Donald practicing. Trump? Yes, we're not going there. But <laughs> <laughs> and and so uh, so people can practice and then they start sort of analyzing people for fun like, but there's, and the thing you pointed out early on is everybody's a blend. We all have all four types of bird in us, 
but we tend to use one or two more than the others. Just like in a car, your car has gears. You know, your car has four gears or five gears so that you can drive under different driving circumstances. It's the same with your with your personal style. Even I have a little bit of owl in me, not very much because that's a gear I don't use a lot, but it's there. It's there. And if I wanted to, I could cultivate it and get and sort of develop that. So the people who are most skillful with all the different kinds of birds, they just know how to shift gears intuitively. You know who's really good at that is salespeople. Successful salespeople already know this, and they do it intuitively. Nobody has to teach them if they're good. If they're bad, then they, you know, they're clueless. But if they just shift gears seamlessly. It's like, oh, I've got a, I've got a hawk. I used to train car salesmen, and you know, they would just size people up pretty, pretty fast because they had lots of experience doing it. And I would imagine that a lot of your most successful stylists are also naturally good at this without anybody having to teach them. Yeah, yeah, I think we under, underestimate, uh, you know, the volume of customer and, you know, interfacing interaction that we have, how much it actually teaches us about uh, human nature. And I yeah. Think a lot of people. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think women, I'm going to go out on a limb here, I think women are probably in, naturally better at this than men because you know, we're, we're socialized to be other oriented. We're always paying attention to other people's needs. You know, our spouse, our, our friends, our par- our elderly parents, our kids, you know, we're, we're always, we're much more attuned, at least most of us are, to what's going on with other people. We're much more other directed. And so we pick up on these signals from other people. And, um, and if we don't, we usually pay a price for it one way or another. But, but, uh, so I think women are sort of, I don't think this is hard for women. I think women are naturally pretty good at sort of, uh, um, paying attention to cues. They may not understand the cues they see, but when you give them some information to help them understand, like put it in categories, like the hawk, the peacock, the owl, and the dove, it's like, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. So I would imagine that your stylists and your salon owners, uh, some of them probably say, oh, I already know this. Do they? Do they say that? Uh, no, they recognize it. Not so much know it. Oh, uh, they recognize it. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they can think of people's They've probably away. been doing it all along, but yeah, but just, didn't have a language have a name. to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That's exactly it. Didn't have the language. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, BJ. I remember years of, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'll let you finish first. I was going to say years ago when I first developed this assessment, I tried it out on my son. And what I discovered was that my son is a dove owl and I'm a peacock hawk. And because we were so close, he's he's an only child and I was a single mother. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And when I when I looked at his scores and I looked at mine, I went, Oh, no wonder we butt heads all the time. <laughs> no wonder we have so much conflict because he, you know, he sees me as sort of overbearing and, and larger than life and like, tone it down, mom, like turn down the volume. And I'm like, you know, he's, uh, he's, I'm like the example you cited earlier, you know, the, 
the more I would sort of come on strong, the more he would shut down. He was basically an introvert and I was an extrovert. And uh, so once I saw that, it's like, oh, my God, gosh, I wish I'd figured this out years ago. <laughs> yes, I have uh, I have a uh, peacock and an owl for, for my two my two boys, for sure. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I get I get a little bit of both. Totally get that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah. All right. So always at the end of this podcast, we uh, get our um, guest to share a quote and I know or a mantra or something and I know you have a good one that's particularly appropriate for today. So please, will you share that with us now? Yeah. I'm just going to read a, a little short passage from the end of the the book on which the, the instrument is based. Uh, in the book, you know, Perry the Peacock um, goes from the land of learning where he went to college and he goes to work in the land of penguins and has a miserable time. And then he makes his way to a place called the land of opportunity. And the land of opportunity is totally different from what he's experienced before. And he finds that he can really be himself. So at the, at the end of the book, it says, um, and the birds came to realize that the land of opportunity is more than a place. It's a state of mind. It's a new way of dealing with one another. And it becomes a reality when we stop judging each other by superficial criteria and begin to see and appreciate everyone as uniquely talented, capable, and valuable. The land of opportunity is where we live and work when we choose to see with new eyes, live from our hearts, and allow ourselves and others to be what we truly are, ourselves. I love it. I do too. <laughs> I really think, you know, that has been, that really captures what has been so successful in my businesses, um, BJ, is that, you know, that understanding of letting people be uniquely themselves and that being okay and, and harnessing the best in people and not forcing people to be things that they're not. And so they get to work at their best. And it's okay to exactly. be to be yourselves. I actually had a, did a, a sort of a brief survey with my team, my current team, about why, you know, what did they get out of working here or why do they love working Salon Owners Collective. And um, one of the things was this ability to be yourself or to make mistakes or to try things and for it to be okay and yeah. just to feel comfortable in that. And nobody was getting persecuted for saying the wrong thing, making a mistake or getting a word wrong or out of line or anything like that. And I think that just, that makes for a culture for people to want to stay and to be part of and feel like they're on the same bus and on a journey with you. So I'm so pleased that we've had you to share that story because it's been so fundamental for my own business life. And I want that for the salon owners that are listening to this. So thank you, BJ, for coming. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I had a wonderful time. Great. Good. And you are such a good storyteller. So uh, that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I do for a living. I tell stories. Well, there you go. <laughs> thank you again. And thank you so much for joining us. 
Thank you. I'll look forward to our next conversation. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much, BJ, for joining me. I loved finally getting to speak to you about the way that you have shaped and impacted my salon time, helped as a salon owner, helped my team, and helped me figure out the dynamics of humans and how to best get along with them. And really, they have been lifelong lessons for me. I truly believe that it is so fundamental to try and see things from the other person's perspective. Like sometimes we can be so introspective, we can be so self-obsessed, not in a mean way, but just we forget to see what it's like from the other person's perspective. So we can't expect people always to see, see things the same way as us. They don't have the same life experiences, they don't have the same upbringing, they don't have the same anything often. So. All right, if you ever feel like you're winging it in business or social media for that matter, please take the quiz to find out exactly what you're nailing already and exactly what you need to work on to grow your business. Get your strategic action plan to transform your salon. I'm going to leave the link in the show notes. And of course, it's everywhere on our socials and our dub dub dub. Or if you've been thinking about seeing if we are a good fit to work with you in your salon and in growing your salon and your team so you can live a life, a true life of freedom and profit, then reach out. You'll find me a messenger and let's chat. Otherwise, I look forward to tuning in with you next week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Tune in each week as we reveal the latest insight and advice on what it takes to make your salon a success today. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or visit us online at salonownerscollective.com for answers to your common questions, to follow Larissa and much more. Thanks for listening. See you next time.